Psalm, Psalm chapter 92 tells us it is good for us to praise the Lord. It is good to make music to Elyon, the transcendent King of kings and Lord of lords, as we proclaim his love and his faithfulness. Terry, choir, praise team, band, thank you for leading us before the throne of God so that we might be able to rightly worship him. He is truly deserving of it. We're going to get into our text in just a minute. Let's not, however, be presumptuous as we open our Bibles to 2 John. Uh, Let's not be presumptuous. Let's first go to the Lord, asking that the Holy Spirit impart to us the words of nourishment for our souls. So bow your heads and lift, let's lift our hearts together, petitioning our Lord to help us during this hour. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the blessing of this day. We thank you that you are a great king who is also a benevolent father who loves us. You have given us your your treasure, your, your love letter to us, which is the holy text of your scripture. And God, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will guide and direct us in these next number of minutes. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, illumine us to the truths. And I just pray that everything that we say and everything that we do will bring you glory because you are truly deserving of it. And we pray this in the name that is above all names, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Once again, if you have your Bibles, uh, let me encourage you to turn to the second epistle of John. And uh, the title of our sermon today is, So Who Should Our Next Pastor Really Be? So Who Should Our Next Pastor Really Be? And I've got my sleeves rolled up, so I'm ready for you. All right. Well, here we are. Entering into the next chapter of our church's history. After more than 20 years of faithful service by our, our senior pastor, Dr. Joe Geritelli. To be sure, there can be a lot of mixed emotions that can well up within us as we enter in this next chapter. There can be a lot of fear and anxiety because of the uncertainty that is before us. Or there can be, and I would argue should be, feelings of enthusiasm and excitement for what lays before us. These are, dear brothers and sisters, these are great days ahead. Why? Because we serve a great king who is on the throne, serving his and achieving his sovereign plan and purpose. He's not up in heaven wringing his hands, wondering how he's going to handle our predicament. He is achieving his glory for the furtherance of his kingdom. And he wants to use us as an instrument to bring this to pass. Now, I have chosen today's sermon today because now is the time for us as a church 
to understand who it is that needs to lead us as our next pastor shepherd. And I believe that the epistle of 2 John, even though it's just one chapter and 13 verses, presents to us tremendous insight as to what the characteristics of this pastor needs to be that will lead us in days ahead. Now, we're going to see in this second epistle that there is a certain lady to whom John is corresponding, and there's differing interpretations as to who this lady is. Some commentators believe that this is metaphorical of the church, that this is a congregation referred to in the feminine with her children being the congregants of that church body. Other people believe that this is a literal lady and her children that are a part of a church community. But really what is most important is to understand the message that is being shared by John the elder to this lady. And then also what this pastor elder reveals about himself in this conversation. Now, first of all, let's just set the the backdrop here. As you read through the three epistles of John, you'll find that these were troubled days for the church. Both inside the church and outside the church as well. Specifically, we see that there are a number of heretical doctrines that are trying to infiltrate the church. And this should not surprise us. Because Satan is always wanting to insert difficulty to the bride of Christ. In fact, we see in John chapter 8 that Satan is the father of lies, and when he lies, he speaks his native language. And what we find in 1 John is you find that there is a group of people who chose to separate themselves from the church and and begin a splinter group. And they began to uh, practice some of these, these heresies and they were trying to entice members of the church to follow them, to follow suit, and to separate from God's church. And they were trying to embrace and they were teaching certain things as the following. Listen to these, this listing here. They were espousing things like Jesus was not the Christ, the anointed one. That Jesus had not come in the flesh. That man did not need to obey faithfully the commands of the Lord, especially the command to love. And that Jesus was not necessarily the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In fact, some believe that man really wasn't in need of salvation, that he was morally righteous and good. Some of them even believe that they had this special spiritual knowledge that kind of set them above everyone else. And John would tell the church, They should not allow anyone to lead them astray. In fact, he says in 1 John, test the spirits to see if they, in fact, are from God, especially for those who had gone out from the church. Now, as we transition from 1 John to 2 John, which, again, is the focal verse of our sermon today, John the Elder 
is reiterating some of these key themes to this lady that's mentioned in the text. He's going to encourage things like sound doctrine, being obedient to the Lord, and loving one another. But what I want to highlight in the text today is that I believe that there are 12 attributes that I believe our next pastor needs to embody so that he might lead us in the way that ultimately will bring glory to God. So with that being said, let's begin in verse 1. Second John 1. To the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love. This pastor loves. We're not talking pleasantries and platitudes here. Or as one of my former seminary professors used to say, this is not the sweet sticky cinnamon buns spirituality. No, this is agape love. This is self-sacrificing love. This is putting the needs before another kind of love. This is this is a love that was modeled for us by our Lord himself when we read in 1 John 3:16. This is how we know what love is, that our Lord Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters as well. This is the love that Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 as the most excellent way. Because we can have a pastor that's in this pulpit who can speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And if he has not love, he is like a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He can be really polished in the pulpit. But it is to no avail There is no glorification of God, and God's power will not be made manifest through this person. We need a pastor who truly understands what it means to love. Now, as we're talking about love, there's an interesting person that's mentioned in 3 John. And he loved But he loved to be first. His name was Diotrephes. He was self-exalting, self-serving, power-hungry. He even tried to impede those in the church that tried to love others who were serving the kingdom, serving the gospel. Why? Because he wanted to be first. It was all about him. And you know what he did? All he did was wreak havoc in the church. We need a pastor who loves the way our Savior loves. And parenthetically, it's the way we need to love one another as well. The 
Let's continue in reading verse 1. We're going to find the second characteristic or attribute of our pastor. Let's read again the verse. To the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love. Here it is. In the truth. The Roman procurator Pontius Pilate, when Jesus was on trial, he said, what is truth? And of course, if you remember, Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we know that there are many false philosophies in the world. And many, tragically, many self-proclaimed churches that have embraced these false philosophies, but despite in the popularity of following the way of the world, listen to me, listen to me, woe be unto any church that follows suit. And woe be unto any pastor or any church who would call a pastor who would defy the prescribed word of God. Because we know the words that it says all scripture is theotnostos in Greek. It is God breathed out and it is profitable for doctrine. What we believe reproof. I'm looking across the landscape here. Some of you need to be reproved. Some of I, I, I need to be reproved as well, right? We're all sinners saved by grace. Correction and training in righteousness so that every man, every woman might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We need a pastor who, as our next shepherd, will understand that there is only one truth. And as we follow this truth, We know, as the Lord Jesus said, the truth, John chapter 8, verse 32, the truth will set us, what's the word? You know it, free. And it will also set our hearts at rest in his presence as we abide in the truth. We need a pastor who understands what it means to love. And we need a pastor who understands what it means to embrace the one truth. Now, as we read, read for yet a third time, verse 1. We'll get out of verse 1 eventually. Verse 1 and also verse 2. We're going to find a third attribute that our next pastor needs to embody. Let's look again at these verses. To the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth and not I only. It's very emphatic in the original language. But also all who know the truth. All. Do you hear that word? Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Now, it may not appear so directly, but notice the plural pronouns and the noun here. Us. All. What we don't see here is a pecking order of priority. We don't see a pastor consume with himself... And certain prominent members of the fold, thus displaying an insensitivity and disinterest in those not as revered. Our next pastor will understand that we are, and here's the intentional word, we are a family 
of faith, which each member, with each member, having equal importance and value in the church and in the kingdom of God. Now, we we all know that we don't have all the same talents and abilities. Paul addresses that. But we know, as Paul tells us, that each one of us is indispensable for the common good of the church family. And each of us has special honor as we all serve one another and have equal concern for each other. When a pastor shows priority for people that by the world's standards have a heightened place of importance, guess what? He is acting like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And how did Jesus refer to the Pharisees? Hypocrites, vipers, whitewashed sepulchers. Boy, they look really good on the outside, but boy, inside they're full of decay and dead man's bones. And you know, the Pharisees, boy, they love prominence. They love prestige. They love power. They surrounded themselves with what they presumed to be important people who could serve their purpose. But we need a pastor who truly understands Jesus's words that the greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, we are, an intentional word here, we are a family of faith. We are called alongside one another to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. There is no hierarchical system here. We are a collective body of Christ. We come together to mutually encourage and bless one another. Our pastor needs to understand the importance of community. Now let's look at verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace. You hear those words? From God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. Look, that notice that this pastor knows how to bless others. He knows that his words are a sweet savor to those whom he leads. And I love how John models this for us in 3 John. Let me read a, a bit of Third John. Just listen. He's going to have a letter that he's drafting to a person by the name of Gaius. Listen to these words. You'll hear blessing in what he says. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. You are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. You hear the blessing? You hear the encouragement? The affirmation? He goes on and finishes 3 John with a bestowance of peace for Gaius. Our next pastor needs to know how to dispense blessing to others. If a pastor can't bless others, or if he is selective in how he gives blessing, I believe that that is an indictment on the character of that pastor. 
The, the Apostle Paul said that all of our conversations should be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And Jesus said in terms of producing good fruit, that out of the overflow, the stored up treasure in the heart, the mouth speaks. And here, and again, in Second John, John is corresponding with this lady, and he wants her to know the fullness of God's goodness, the shalom wholeness that is found in his grace, that is God's grace and mercy. We need a pastor who will not be frugal with his verbal blessings of encouragement. But notice there's something, too, that's also highlighted here in verse 3, which is our next attribute. And notice what it says, that grace, mercy, and peace are to be found solely from God the Father and Jesus Christ, His Son. Here's the next attribute. Our next pastor needs to understand the gospel. He needs to be consumed with a desire to share God's wonderful news of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Now, many churches today have deflected this central theme for supposedly inspirational and motivational stories that make people feel good about themselves. They might engage in a peripheral topic like social justice or political posturing or seeker-sensitive niceties. But they steer clear of any promotion of the gospel and discussion of the gospel message. Let me say here that the gospel is the central point of our faith. And as wonderful and as Um, encouraging as it is for the believer, it should evoke uncomfortable feelings and and, uh, troubled souls for for the ones who do not embrace the, the, the glorious gospel of our Lord. Uncomfortable thoughts and feelings should well up within the believer. We need a pastor who will speak frankly. Let me share this again. We need a pastor who will speak frankly about the eternal damnation that awaits one who will not respond to uh, the, the gospel message through Jesus Christ alone. Parenthetically, let me stop here. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all committed, and for those of you who've been in any of my teaching classes, you know I use this word purposefully. We have all committed cosmic treason against the rightful reign of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we deserve the fullest measure of God's punitive wrath poured out upon us. That's what you deserve. But God, who is rich in mercy who even did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how well will he not also graciously give us all things? We need a pastor who, again, will share the gospel message. In fact, I'll say this, that no man who refuses to regularly present the gospel should be the next pastor of our church. Let me repeat that, okay? No pastor who refuses to regularly present 
the hope of the gospel through Christ alone should ever inhabit this pulpit. Why? Because we know from the scripture, he who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son does not have life. And let me just parenthetically say this. If you've not come to a place that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not confessed your sins, we know that when we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. If you have not come to that point, you know what the word of God says? Today can be the day of your salvation. You can confess him. You can repent of your sins. And he promises that he will forgive you of your sin, cleanse you of your unrighteousness. You no longer stand under the punitive judgment of the the Lord, uh, the the holiness and the righteousness of, of God. And he adopts you as a son or as a daughter. And so this is the blessing that you have if you embrace Jesus Christ as Lord. Let's continue on. Verse 4. John says, It has given me great joy. Literally in the original language, I rejoice greatly. It's placed first in the, the sentence for emphasis. To find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. Notice this attribute that this is a pastor who is genuinely interested in the day-to-day lives of his church family. He's not casually indifferent to what is taking place in the flock. He wants to participate with them in their lives. He wants to celebrate the victories that they have. Our next pastor does not need to be a pastor who cloisters himself away in his office and is completely unengaged with the lives of the church. And even though it would ask too much of a pastor to know everything about everyone in a church our size. This is a pastor who needs to desire. He wants to know what's taking place within his fold. This is a pastor who is interested in his flock. This is a pastor who is invested in his flock. This is a pastor who is engaged in his flock. This is an attribute that our next pastor needs to have. And then in verse 5 we read, And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. As you see here, John is drawing the lady back to a remembrance of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not trying to cleverly invent some type of philosophy, some type of devised teaching. He is sticking again to the timeless word of God. He's not using anti-biblical sensationalism for attention, for notoriety, and for power. Notice it's not about John. He's merely a conduit of blessing, the truth that is being poured through him to nourish and edify the fold. There's a lot of sensationalism in our pulpits today. 
self-proclaimed pastors who would use their, their pulpits, again, as platforms to build empires and control, rather than being a haven for believers to learn to love God more with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and their neighbor as their self, the two greatest commandments. Again, as I've said before, we need a pastor who will stick to the timeless word of God. We don't need an impressive orator who will deviate from the Bible to draw attention to himself because God won't bless our church if we follow such a path. And then in the latter half of verse 5, verse 6, let's look for the next attribute. Here are the words. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. The next attribute. This pastor knows how to summon his flock to obedience. To obey God, again, and to love one another. See, John knows this ultimately is what is best for the flock. Because we know that we have come to truly know God... If we obey his commands, 1 John chapter 2. And we know that God's love is truly made complete in us when we follow him obedient. You see, the fullest satisfaction for our souls, whether you know this or not, can only be found when we are serving the Lord in obedience. All other pursuits will not lead us to intimacy with Christ. And because of that, it will leave you hollow and dejected and longing for something more. And see, John knows this as a pastor elder, as a pastor shepherd. He wants his flock to see the blessedness of obedience. So our next pastor, he needs to encourage us, maybe even prod us if necessary, to lead us to the flowing springs of God's goodness. Because that's where satisfaction for our soul will be found. Verse 7, we find these words. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and is the antichrist. You see, this pastor knows that there are wolves both outside and tragically inside the church that would seek to destroy the flock. Satan is always trying to bring chaos and strife and friction. And he knows the greatest way to impede our kingdom-building, God-glorifying work is to insert wolves in the fold. This pastor is a shepherd serving the great shepherd who warned us in Mark chapter 13, do not let anyone deceive you. Be on your guard and endure to the end. 
You see, we need a pastor who will protect us from Satan's attacks by not allowing or permitting the church to fall prey to the luring temptations of the world. And a pastor who will protect us from anyone who comes into the church as a wolf in sheep's clothing, trying to scatter and attack the sheep. We need a protecting pastor. And then in verses 8 and 9, the next attribute, we find these words. Listen to the word of the Lord. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. But whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father as well as the Son. Notice this attribute. This is a pastor who knows how to inspire us to press on toward the finish line. We're in a race. It's called life. And it can be filled with pitfalls and valleys, tribulations. And sometimes in our spirit, in our even in our flesh, we, we might fall prey. We want to throw in the towel and give in to Satan's attacks. But this pastor shepherd will again, he will lead us to the still waters and green pastures that lay ahead. He wants to motivate us. He wants to, to press us on to the finish line, which ultimately is the presence of God in heaven. Where the word of God says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. John had said in the first epistle, he said, you have overcome. Why? Because greater is he who is in you, the Lord, than he who is in the world, the evil one. So this pastor, he will press us and inspire us and encourage us and possibly prod us, if necessary, to move along serving the king until he comes back to receive us. We need a pastor who truly will inspire us to finish well. Verses 10 and 11, we find these words. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who shares them or welcomes them shares in their wicked work. This pastor knows the danger of the church yoking itself with other churches or organizations that are disobedient to the Lord. The Apostle Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You know what it says? Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. This pastor will not allow us to be yoked with people who would defy the prescribed word of God and the central truths and the gospel message that salvation can only be found in Christ and Christ alone. He will protect us. And then lastly, in our final two verses, listen to the word of God as we see our final attribute. I have much to write to you 
But I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greetings. Much like a pastor being interested in his flock, we need a pastor who will commune directly with his flock, with us. When he does so, when he's truly engaged with us, his sheep will hear his voice and we will follow him. Let me stop here for just a minute. Church, are you actively praying, asking that God will lead us, a pastor who is like this? I hope you are. If you're not, first confess that to the Lord and then become disciplined. And be fervent in praying to our Savior, our King. God, lead us a man who will embody these truths. You know, the Bible says in in James chapter 4, you have not because you asked not. So as we bring our, our time to a close... I'm going to pray with us, with with you, and and together we're going to pray. We're going to ask that God will, in fact, lead us, this person. And then we're going to have a time of response. And Terry, he's going to come up with the praise team. Let me go ahead and invite you to start coming forward. If there's something that you've heard from this text of Scripture, by the way, we covered an entire book of the Bible in one sermon. How's that? If there's something that the Spirit of God has impressed upon you, just as you are there seated in your chair, confess that to the Lord. Because, again, He's faithful and just, and He will forgive you. And begin 2021 with an excitement and an enthusiasm because we have great days ahead. And why is that? Because we serve a great King. Bow your heads, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this last hour. We thank you, most importantly, for your word. We know your word is living, it's active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is your breathed out word of nourishment for our souls. And so, God, as we pray, asking, petitioning you for our next pastor, again, we pray, Lord, that you will lead someone to us who will love us and understand what it means to love, who will know the truth, who will know the importance that we are a community of faith, that he will know how to bless others, that he, most importantly, will know the gospel, that he will be interested in his flock, that he will not try to cleverly devise teachings. He will stick to your word. He will summon us to obedience He will know the wolves that are out there. He will protect us. He will inspire his flock to endure. He will know the danger of unholy alliances, and he will commune directly with his flock. Lord Jesus, thank you, first of all, for the church. Thank you that you instituted it. We are your bride. We know a day is coming when you will receive us to be with you. But until until such time, we know there's there's a purpose for us here. And we need the right pastor shepherd who will lead us 
so that one day when we stand before your throne, there will be no regrets, but only the proclamation of well done, good and faithful servant. And we pray this in the name that is above all names, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a truth.